Hi, I'm Oliver Pinniger, the best marketing intern Three Wheel has ever had, and this is episode 149 of Two Ball Brothers and a Microphone Podcast, where we talk about the people, process, and technology to work together better inside enterprises. This episode was recorded on February 1st, 2018. In this episode, Danny and Tommy talk with Jeff Meyer about implementing the four disciplines of execution. They discuss the importance of the customer experience and how setting different levels of goals can be beneficial. Enjoy this episode, and thanks for listening. And welcome. This is the Two Ball Brothers in a Microphone podcast, and I am here with the other Ball brother, Tommy Ryan. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Good morning. Good morning. And we also have Jeff Meyer here. How are you doing, Jeff? Good morning. It's great to be here. Excellent. Uh, two bald guys in a microphone. I, I hope there's no <laughs> follicle bullying going on. Today. No, no, there won't. But I do have I'm, a little bit of hair. Y'all know mid, you can't see. Midway me. through, the, in that closet behind you, there's a razor, and midway through this thing, you will we're going to take head. your hair okay. off. Okay. That sounds like fun. We can. It could I'm be, glad I'm here. It could be three bald bros in a microphone. We can change it around. Okay. I'm in. All right. So we're just catching. We've known Jeff for years. We're back from the Extreme Logic days of things. And for folks who don't know, Extreme Logic was a great company uh, where you just met a lot of folks who. Um, it was just a great part of was, my career. It was great what uh, what Wayne was doing and Keith and everybody over there. And uh, man, there's a lot. There's numerous folks from Three Will or at Three Will or from Extreme Logic. The same thing with uh, Infrascience slash Infrasignature. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of people from from that company. It was just a great place to to be. And um, so when you left, so we had similar paths, right? We, around the same time, we, you started off InfraScience and we started off Three Will. You focused more on the infrastructure side of things and we were more on the app dev side of things. Which made us uh, wonderful partners it did. Over, over the last 15 years, it did. in my it, opinion. It really did. I mean, it was, it, was, um, it was nice to have someone who focused in on a certain area and wasn't so broad. Um, and you know, we did the same thing. So it was really yeah. kind of cool just going back and forth and going into sales calls with each other. And, um, and we compliment, I think, and we're not very salesy. <laughs> so true. we That's like true. to solve yeah. problems. And I think people appreciated that. So I think we had the same style going into things. So, so we recently caught up. Yeah, I mean, InfraScience was um, sold. Yes, it was acquired in late 2015. In 2015. And, and uh, uh, myself and uh, my two co-founders um, were uh, pretty excited nice. about that transaction when nice. it occurred. And they were both former Extreme Logic guys as well, too. Mark Pierce and Phil Bartholomew. Excellent, excellent. And then you have um, you were there for a while, and then you've left? I have completed my commitment. Completed your commitment. So we've finished uh, transition and integration and... Nice. And uh, it's time for the next challenge. Time for the next challenge. It's exciting, huh? <laughs> it is. It is. So I wanted to talk with you about, um, I guess, through our conversations, we, uh, and you did, I guess you did listen to the podcast. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. Um, the 4DX uh, and wanted to talk through and actually just learn from me a little bit. Since we're on the early stages of this journey, um, what were some of the things that you learned um as you were implementing it, rolling it out, 
and you sounds like you did it for two to three years, and would just love to hear up from until you we about were it. acquired. Okay, and, up until and you then were uh, the new signature organization is looking to roll it back out. Oh, across okay. the entire organization. Nice. Today. So, at the time, we were pretty wrapped up in integration and transition, and so we decided to kind of park that. And the new signature wanted to evaluate it, and they are going to implement it too. Nice. I'm a huge fan of the four disciplines of execution. Um, I'll back up a little bit and tell you how we discovered it. And I was so excited to see that you guys are considering it as well. We're a little um, slow. We're about four years behind everything. <laughs> you do, okay? Uh, Careful. So give us this. That's what it is. You're very Careful. cautious and nothing wrong with that. That's why you're still in business. Um, so I attended the Microsoft Worldwide Partner Conference. Um, I believe it was in uh, 2014. And uh, okay. Chris McChesney, one of the co-authors of the uh, book was presenting at one of the sessions and actually I didn't have this session targeted as one that I had planned to attend it's just that I ended up at a point in the day where I didn't have any other meetings and I mm. didn't have a session that I identified so I just click scan the list and, oh this looks interesting and dropped in and I tell you it just changed the way I think about how we do business it was a really compelling presentation mm -hmm. uh, I really enjoyed it Chris is a great presenter Turns out he lives here in the Atlanta area. I did not know that. Yeah, and he goes to church with one of my business partners, Mark Pierce. And so we got to meet him and uh, have a chat and learn more about how they came up with the principles of execution. And mm -hmm. I think one of the things that really hit me as something that excited me about it and said so we should consider this uh, in our own firm was that he said, you know, lots of MBAs and PhDs go to business school and they learn all about strategy, mm -hmm. planning and development of strategies and all that. Nobody talks about execution. And execution is what really makes a difference in yep. getting things done. Yep. So I was very attracted to that. Mm -hmm. So uh, our organization, you know, we handed out the books to a lot of the folks on our team. People read it, we got to talking about it, and uh, we decided to bring in the Covey organization and uh, help us get it off the ground. Nice. Did they do some training at first, or what was the, did they have a consultant that was, what, what did that look like? Yeah, the consultant came in, and uh, the initial thing was to meet with the executives of the firm and try to understand what kind of value we hope to receive by okay. you know, embarking on this journey. Um, so um, they kind of, uh, helped us understand how we might get better value from it and, uh -huh. and uh, really be more thoughtful in our approach to implementing it before we just dive in. Um, so we did that, and, and it's kind of a two-day exercise where you all sit around in a room together and you talk about different things going on in your business and what might be important to you and those kinds of things. Um, and uh, I don't, I think you guys are probably of a similar mindset that um, to do well in business, you, you need to relentlessly try to improve, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's new offerings for your clients or a personal growth initiative that I want to be a better public speaker or, mm -hmm. or uh, I want to be better at technology if I'm a consultant. Mm -hmm. um, there's a variety of things, and I think those people that relentlessly pursue that um, are real professionals that, that really have an opportunity to do something and make a difference. And a lot of this 40X is kind of based on that same mindset. Okay. Um, and, it, and it creates a forum where your entire organization can jump on the bandwagon of relentlessly improving what they do. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so that's a wonderful thing. Awesome. Um, so once we went through the uh, couple of days of consulting, we then charted out, you know, kind of a rollout approach uh, and education. Mm -hmm. And that's where we brought the team in. Uh, and just talked about the overall concepts, 
saw examples, heard stories about what other companies have done with it, um, and kind of wanted to kind of rev people's juices up about it and get them thinking about how they might adopt it because it's a very team-based approach and almost individual approach as to what would you like to do, what kind of a goal do you want to put in play, mm-hmm. and then go out and achieve it. What did um, what was the process? Because we're going through, and I'm asking this quite selfishly, because <laughs> yeah. um, we're tr- we're we've been going through talking about what the overall company wig is, and have been processing things. And you, when we were preparing for this, you had mentioned you sort of did a theme for the year. Each year, you had sort of an overarching theme, and you said the first year was about. Customer experience? Customer experience. Some people might call it quality. Okay. Um, But what what we decided was that, you know, by working with our firm and for science, we wanted anyone and everyone to have a good experience with Mm -hmm. us, whether that be an actual client, whether it be a prospect that's just evaluating us, whether it be one of our partner organizations that, you know, wants to go to market with us. Mm -hmm. Uh, You folks included, (laughs) um, as Mm -hmm. we were partners through the years. Yes. Um, So... uh, what is it like to uh, interact with our firm and is it a good experience and how can we determine whether that's true or not and how can we measure that were things that we decided. Would and be. did you use Net Promoter Score the first year? We did. We did. Okay. Then did yeah. you just have like by the by this, you know, it's X to Y by this date. So you had a certain score that you were trying to get to by a certain that's date. That's correct. And I don't remember the numbers off yeah, the top that's of fine. my I won't head. Ask but, you. I, but I want to say it was something like a 70 or 75 mm-hmm. net promoter score was what we were shooting for that first year. By the end of the year is what yeah, you were shooting and, for. Yeah, and of course you don't know yet where you're starting from, mm-hmm. how, how steep of a climb is that, or is that not too bad? And we, mm-hmm. were, we were pleased to get a 60, 65 score, I think, yeah. right out of the shoot on the first test. So we were like, oh, this is going to be you know, something achievable. Yeah. Well, it, it was harder than we thought, <laughs> and, and, and that was what was really well, we have We it. have a perfect score, because I only ask happy Do customers. <laughs> <laughs> Selective polling is something that works well. Yes. <laughs> Selective polling, it's amazing. You can make the numbers look like anything. But yeah. I'm sorry, I joke, I joke. No, I know. That's <laughs> <laughs> <But, laughs> funny. <laughs> but it's so funny when you, when you interact with some customer services organizations, and you've had a bad experience, and they say, oh, you know, hold on the line to do this survey, and then... At the end of the call, it just blanks to nobody yeah. asks you any questions because yeah. you had a bad experience. Yeah. So you can see them what they do. Yeah. Um, so and then so with this, let's let's dive into that a little bit. So it was about customer experience, and then did you um, for the individual? Do you had like department wigs and then um, uh, wigs for the different practice areas, or how did you break that out? What, yeah, what did that our look firm like? uh, probably was organized pretty similar to yours in that yep. we had practice areas and practice leads based on certain technologies that they were focused on uh-huh. um, but we had every every part of the organization participate from sales to HR to finance marketing um, obviously their wigs were very different mm-hmm. uh, across groups a lot of the practices maybe were somewhat similar in delivery but uh, you know sales had an initiative to grow repeat business yeah you know initially so they started measuring that and trying. We don't to, want repeat business. Yeah, right. Here. You know, and, and so they kind of came up with some things around, you know, uh, questions that they yeah. would want to have a dialogue with a client as they were finishing up a project and yeah. kind of plant the seeds for the next one, or maybe take a more strategic, you know, perspective in their conversation with the client so that 
they're trying to get a more long-term view of where the client's business is heading mm -hmm. so that they can then think about, hmm, what are ways we could help them get there, mm -hmm. you know, versus just being transactional. So, so that was kind of neat. I know the accounting department uh, and finance came up with one of their biggest challenges that they think affects the customer experience was our invoicing. You know, did it arrive timely? Was it correct when it arrived? Was yep. it concise? Many clients wanted customized formatting that, you know, made it go through their purchasing organizations smoother. Um, was that accounted for and, and accomplished, you know, and those kinds of things. So they went, went about on a project initially to go and be sure that they were doing those kinds of things and asking those questions up front versus just assuming, mm -hmm. you know, that the standard invoice would be okay. Uh, and it greatly increased their interaction with our clients, which which turned out to have a, a, a great side benefit that we didn't even see mm -hmm. in in that uh, they had relationships then with people in purchasing and, and finance and stuff at our clients. So they could just pick up the phone and call each other now that they knew each other. So relationships got built nice. that we didn't see coming. When, how often did you do the accountability piece of this where you were looking at... Um, was it weekly or was it monthly or how did you, you know, how we get part of the disciplines is, you know, one is have a scoreboard and then the other one is um, making sure you're checking back in on this. Was this something that the different teams got together? What did that look like, I guess? I, Every I team know. built scoreboards, actual okay. physical fun scoreboards okay. with, with themes and characters and and uh, lots of fun things. I uh -huh. know the sales team uh, had uh, the Wizard of Oz as their. I think I, I think, I, I think we went over to you. I, well, you may yeah, have. I, yeah, I think I yeah. saw this at and, your and office. And I know they yeah. had a, a picture of me, Mark, and Phil um, as uh, Munchkins, <laughs> 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 which was great. You know, <laughs> follow the yellow brick road. Uh, so it was a journey to yeah. more repeat business. You know, it was yeah. it was really fun. Uh -huh. and, and different teams came up with wildly creative ideas. We had a little bit of a challenge there uh, in translating that to being more of a virtual yeah. organization because yeah. we were scattered across six states in the southeast. Uh, so, but we took pictures of the boards and okay. posted them. You know, created a site in SharePoint where we could share that uh -huh. and uh, keep it up to date and those kinds of things. It was great for folks that work together in a local office though to be able to have that scoreboard right there and walk by it every day mm -hmm. as a reminder. They did fifteen minute. Uh, week meetings, we were very strict about no more than 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. Get in, take care of business, have your conversation, share the information with each other, uh, ask for input and feedback if you're struggling, mm -hmm. and, uh, and then close out the meeting and agree to meet next week. We used the online my40x.com provided okay. by the Covey organization. We found that to be very useful because it held people accountable. They needed to go in there every week and update their activities. If mm -hmm. you've made a commitment, you know, that you're going to call every client before you send out an invoice or, you know, if you're uh, in a practice, one of the practices was updating their statement of work templates is what they decided to improve quality. Um, each person had a section of the statement of work that they were working on. So they needed to, you know, nice. put their commitment in each week that they had accomplished what they'd set out to do or not. Sometimes, Things happen, yeah. mm -hmm. and that's okay. Yeah. But you put that in, yeah. and and note note it. You know, one of the things I think we Tommy and I really like about this, which is it's they the whirlwind is there. It's you know it's it's that you have yes. to do your day to day things. You have to take care of those things. But then this is sort of like it's it is a focus. It's a it's sort of like what do we you know as an entire company what do we want to do. 
and focus in on the, for this year and make sure we're successful at. And um, that's, I like it because it's not like drop everything. <laughs> you know, it's not, you, you, you still have to do your day job, but here's some additional focus that we're going to have for this yeah. year. Yeah, we um, would uh, have monthly meetings, all, all hands meetings yep. we called them, and, and then yep. each group would give a brief update of what their score was, where they were. Uh-huh. You know, any activities that just needed to be covered broadly, we would talk about that. Yeah. Um, so uh, it really got people interacting and competing with each other yeah. to, uh, to do better. And you talk about the whirlwind. Um, I think one of the most valuable things that I took from 40X as we really started to uh, make it a part of our everyday lives was I did annual planning. Our, our executive team did annual planning. Um, sometimes we did quarterly updates, you know, mm-hmm. to the plan as we moved through the year. Uh, but we always had 10 to 20 goals that we wanted to try to do. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, in the four disciplines of execution, it states clearly, if you, if you have 20 things you want to try to do, you will probably achieve zero of them <laughs> or mm-hmm. maybe one at best. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you say, I only have one thing I want to do and I'm not going to do anything else until I get it done, it yep. changes your whole perspective. Yep. Yep. And uh, I think, you know, I, they use the analogy in the training. I remember of you got a soccer field, and only one person is allowed on the field at a time. Mm-hmm. One one problem you're trying to solve. Mm-hmm. So you kick that all the way down into the goal before another player can come off the bench and come out there onto the field. Mm-hmm. And it puts your full attention on yeah. making a difference. Yep. And uh, that was hugely valuable. I think many people in the organization had a similar thing, even as an individual. You know. I got 20 certifications I want to do this year to be a better technician. Mm-hmm. And, you know, or maybe it's only four, but still, it's yeah. a challenge. It's a lot of studying, a lot of work. And if they just said, I'm just going to do this one this quarter, X to Y by when, mm-hmm. they had much more success. One of the things that uh, Tommy and I have gone through a couple of times, and a part of it is for me just to try to digest it. And if I can explain it to somebody else, I then understand it. And so a lot of like I try to learn something and then explain it. And if I can do that, then I feel like at least I've apprehended at a certain level what it means. And for me, the lead measures versus the lag measures has been an important part of this because... As we're looking at this, you know, the wig is a lag measure, and then we're looking at what lead measures would impact that. Um, a lot of what I've been trying to coach the team around is everybody's used to talking about all these metrics, which are lag measures, but you focus in on the lead measures. Like you can't magically just make the sales go up. It's like, what are you doing to make that go up? And um, it was funny this past year. I think there were a lot in a lot of ways. My marketing, I was trying to set up for. Um, for this year, which is I had a, uh, a marketing dashboard, which was just an Excel, and it had all of my objectives for the year. So I said I was going to do 10 blog posts per month. And um, it had all the different, I was going to send out a monthly email every um, <clears throat> every month. And then, um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry, let me hit my head here. Um, how often am I doing that? And, and it just had other things like that because I said that was my objective for the year. And then what I would do is at the company meeting is Tommy would just pull up the spreadsheet. We'd go through and either I did it or I didn't do it. Uh-huh. Um, and we'd go through and we'd look at some different things. And I was trying to, what I see I was trying to do was trying to hit 
what my lead measures were and what I was focusing in on. And one of the things like um, that I'm trying to make sure that the team understands, because it's difficult to get at first, yeah. is what are the lead measures? What are the things that you're doing? What can you do right now? And so like for this year, I'm thinking, that, you know, blog posts. I can sit down today and write a blog post. And I've mm -hmm. seen that a lot of our marketing leads comes from uh, our content marketing. And so yeah. that is something, it, having the old, whole idea of it's influenceable and I can do it yeah. um, is important, but it's difficult because we're so used to talking about lag measures yes. that to change the mindset of, well, what is it that you do that will, and I think people are people are a little fearful of choosing the wrong lead measure because you don't know if it's going to impact mm. that lag measure. And I, I don't know if I can put all my chips on. If I do this, it's going to really have an impact on this. And then telling the team, like, you can change, you know, it's, you're yeah. not set in stone. We can change yeah. this over time. But you have to decide on something that you're measuring as a lead measure. How, what was mm -hmm. that whole pro? Was that something that they covered in the training? And then how did the they, team they get did, to the lead it measure? Took, yeah, they did cover it in the training, but we didn't come out of the training understanding it fully. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'll be totally transparent. Mm -hmm. And it's a little bit of hit or miss and experimentation and dive in, try it. Yeah. But then the dialogue helps correct it if it's not going to make a difference. Mm -hmm. Or... You, you can clearly see, you know, as you start to roll it out that it, well, that's nice, but, yeah. but it's not going to change it. Yeah. Um, so um, we uh, assigned, I guess you would call it an evangelist or a coach in mm -hmm. our organization who met with um, each of the teams at, at a minimum monthly, sometimes more often, um, and also sat in on a lot of the week calls to just kind of be sure people were grasping it, answer questions and things like that. And this person actually ended up being a great coach then too for kind of adjusting mm -hmm. some of those, you know, things that people had set up that aren't going to make a difference in the long run mm -hmm. um, as we went. And some of it is like we tried it and we started doing it and then we realized it and it's like, okay, let's go back. Sometimes team members themselves say, wait a minute, I think I was close, but I missed it. And I'm just going to move it over a little bit to the right, and it looks like that'll do better. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and so that's what happened. So we definitely got better as we went. But Where, the key thing is just dive in and try it. You know? And the, mm -hmm. the beauty of the program, too, I think, is that it leaves it up to your team members mm -hmm. to make those decisions and mm -hmm. think about this very carefully. And uh, I was very uh, pleased that they had so many great ideas because they were right there in the field doing that job yeah. every day. Yeah. Uh, stuff that I didn't realize maybe was a little out of whack or would make mm -hmm. a big difference. Mm -hmm. So um, their their input was probably much higher quality than I could have ever done as an executive. That probably, uh, it felt good, I'm sure. Yeah, it really did. Yeah, yeah. And, and it makes I think it makes your team feel really good because you, they, they have control. What authority. did pushback look like? Did you have any pushback? Was this like, oh, Jeff's come, Jeff's read some, yep. he's met some guy and now he's going to come back and... Try to throw this stuff, and then next year we're gonna. He's yeah, gonna read some he'll meet other a different book. guy. Read a different yeah, book. Yeah, yeah or and, he'll talk to Tommy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a detractor in every team. Yeah, I mean it's just a percentage. It's like a bell curve, right? Yeah. You got your your adopters yeah. that that are ahead of the curve. You got mm -hmm. a lot of people kind of moving along with it, and yeah. uh, maybe some begrudgingly, but they're still doing it. And you got one in every team who says, "I just don't know if I have time." 
Uh, I'm not sure it's going to make a difference or, like you said, fear that, oh, this is just another one of those things. And, mm-hmm. and they come and go in every organization. Um, but, you know, over time, I'd say many, many of those detractors came around because they saw it was making a difference. And sometimes it was even just that it was making their job easier to do mm-hmm. and more fun. Mm-hmm. So um, I think, too, that, uh, you know, it gives people that opportunity to kind of find their way towards it. Versus mm-hmm. just be forced. You know, when it's only a 15-minute commitment a week, you're not asking for much. Mm-hmm. You're really not, you know, time out yeah. of your schedule. One of the things we were, um, when looking at, like, the co- overall company wig is, and I don't know if we're we're not looking at this the right way or what it is, but, like, um, Tommy and I, you know, want to have something that's um, that gets people out of bed, that you're excited about. And I don't know whether the company, you know, like, how does this fold into what we're, who we are as an organization? And is that at a higher level, the company wig is more about execution? Um, just trying to fit this into, like, you know, how can we make this a meaningful goal that motivates people that it, they get excited about? Yeah, because what I'm hearing is you created a theme as a company, and each of these departments came up with their wig and then probably their lead measures to influence that wig. So you didn't have one central company wig. You had a theme that says, okay, what can you do to influence that theme in a positive way? But the company wig was the net promoter score, right? The net promoter score, which was a measure of the, are you having a good experience with our mm-hmm. organization, uh-huh. in, in our opinion. Right. So that was what we did. And yeah. that was, you had one company, that was the one company wig. For the first year. Yeah. 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 Um, to your question, um, if I understand it correctly, I think that one of the differences uh, of this type of a uh, process to go through compared to m- most and uh, other things that you hear about improving quality maybe, mm-hmm. um, was that it's so simple to execute just the program. Yeah. Uh, because you talk about having lots and lots of goals or lots of different ways that you can make a difference in your organization. You mentioned blog posts as an example for yourself and that you want to do them in a timely fashion or a monthly newsletter or, or something like that. Well, if you if you only have one player on the field, mm-hmm. you're just reminding yourself every single day of the same thing mm-hmm. until you finally master it and retire it. Because you go, Oh, I've got that one figured out. I do that now. It's actually a habit. Mm-hmm. And so that's really simple. That's not complex. And that's not all that time consuming. It'd be like uh, we were joking before we started the cast about uh, being forgetful and our wives reminding us sometimes that we're forgetful. So if I just woke up every single day and said, today I'm going to try to remember everything. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm capable of that. But, <laughs> um, but if I tried and just said every day, this is my goal, mm-hmm. then maybe at some point I might get a little better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and then I would retire that and move on to some other quality that I'd like to improve so upon. It sounds like it's it's a practice to form habits, yeah. which is a yes. very big thing in the kind of the Covey yeah. mindset, and that the practices that you establish, you don't net, you don't throw those away as you onboard no. new habits. So we mm-hmm. have like utilization. We're a master about how do we track that and manage to that. Uh-huh. But it doesn't inspire. It doesn't us. No, it doesn't anybody. <laughs> but it's, it's a habit and yeah, a practice yeah. that you don't want to throw that away. It's right? fundamental to your business. It's fundamental. Yeah. So, how do you add the layers of new and improved habits 
that some of them might be displaced, older habits, but some yeah. of them you want to keep because those are good habits mm -hmm. to have in place. So you're back to your lag measures and lead measures with the example utilization. I think of, okay, it's important to our business. We, we talk about it a lot in our organizations. Um, but how can a consultant make a difference? Well, if he just wakes up every day and says, I'm working on a project at this client, I don't necessarily have total control over my utilization here other than I'm assigned to this and I've got this work to do and it's estimated to take this many hours. But what if I went every, to every client I went to and every day that I went to a client and worked with them, thought about what could I do to find more work yeah. here for mm -hmm. our team? Um, that would overall then influence utilization for your organization, right? And I, I think I for think us, one of our uh, teams came up with that yeah. as one of the things, and it kind of fed right into the sales organization's thing of how can we increase our mm. repeat business. Um, they were doing it by saying, every time I talk to a client, I'm going to ask these three questions. Mm -hmm. They came up with some questions, and they thought that would lead to maybe a possible discussion, which might lead to future business, or at least I would better understand <laughs> this client's goals. Mm -hmm. And if a consultant adopted a similar type of thing, they might think about, hey, I read something the other day about this new technology coming out. You know, Is this something you think that your business might use? I'm, I'm interested in learning about it myself and just get a dialogue going, and that could lead maybe to some work for you guys down the road. For us, we use what are called product backlogs, and it sort of has the queue of things that the customer wants do to do. And we break it off into two-week sprints, typically. And one of the things I think Tommy Tommy was implementing or has focused in on this in the past, which is um, backlog growth. So as you go into a project, uh, you know, customer wants to do these 20 things. But as you go along, the customer will ask for, I want this, I want this, I want this. And that's shown as backlog growth. So those are opportunities that you might not get to it in the next sprint or in this next phase. But once we're done, we could come back to that backlog yeah. and say, yeah. here's where so we can go from ideas. here, guys. You want to go after this. Yeah. And yeah. the beauty of what we do is our customer is solving a problem and purchasing so many story points. And the goal of Agile is to work on the most important things every sprint cycle. So if they're better wow. ideas bring in those better ideas and we'll do those and we won't contractually go change things with you and go through this whole negotiation every time you have a new idea. No, we'll implement that new idea and then what you have left over, maybe that's another project. Maybe you want to do that yeah. next. And so it, it's not, you know, in typical kind of waterfall projects, you're protecting scope. You want to say, we don't want to have scope creep because that's dangerous in a project. Well, we want scope creep, but it's managed scope creep in a way that we're doing something better for you because you're letting those ideas flow and we create a mechanism for those ideas to flow. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that you know, feeds into a lot of things like you know, that relationship. You're wanting to do something better for the client. You don't want to just do what they said initially. Yeah. You want to have Exceed this experience that, yeah, yeah we, we understand you better. You've got better ideas because you're seeing what we're building. And let's make it even better than we first envisioned. And that, that's very powerful with the customer. And it's not salesy. Yeah, it's, and it's in really the end, you've achieved a goal of deepening your relationship, mm -hmm. you know, and strengthening it. And you're working as partners with your customer, not as a vendor. Mm -hmm. And 
It's a very and impact. that drives utilization for you. <laughs> yeah, then, you want that to be natural. The, the if you're doing the right thing, yeah. that's going to flow yeah. out. But it's not forced. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And people need. Uh, there's an aspect of it where the tension is released from the room. If a client says, "I want to go do this," and they're captured somewhere, at least they've been heard, uh -huh. and it's there, and they can now control it. So a lot, a lot of like when you go our home pages where we want clients to feel like they are in control of what what's going on, and a part of this just feeds into that. They listen to what I wanted to do. We're not able to do it in this sprint because of the structure of things, but if I wanted to this next sprint, I can focus in on this. We could probably talk for hours about this. <laughs> One last thing before we wrap up, what was it like in the second year? What do you, did you pick a, what, what was the rollover and was there any impact to the customer service numbers in the second year or did you stop focusing on, how does that work as you start, I'm thinking already about the next year, sort of. What, how does that work as you start to pick a new we, theme? We never retired the Net Promoter Score concept. Okay. We adopted it, right? Mm -hmm. So it was new to us, and then we, we retired it from the perspective of it's a habit. Mm -hmm. So we just kept that going and watched it and, and, and paid attention to it. Uh, we changed our, our overall goal to looking at bottom line mm -hmm. and more of an internal focus the second year. Um, and focused on how can we be sure that what we're doing is profitable and that we don't have errors and rework and things mm -hmm. like that. It, it, it tied to quality from the year before, but it yes. was a little more internally focused. But all the things from the first year stayed. Mm. And, uh, and some people's wigs as individuals might still tie to some of those things from the prior year because there was still work that could be done, yeah. you know, that relentless improvement that I talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. um, but then the company's overall goal that we were trying to measure was let's look at, you know, increasing our profitability this year. Mm -hmm. um, so we did that in the second year. This was a great conversation. Thank you for doing well, this. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was fun. Thanks. It's great to catch up with you guys. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you, everybody. If you're still listening now, God bless you. As you and you're, you are a committed person. That uh, and thank you for taking the time to listen to this. Hopefully, it was interesting. I think other small business owners, why wouldn't they want to listen to this? Because this has so much to do with. Um, and I think I think yeah. it has to do with enabling your employees. Like you're not, it's not a commanding control. It's a yeah. We're setting out. I think as a leader, you're setting out what's our focus for this year. But then we're hiring smart people. We're hiring competent people to come in and don't check your brain in at home. Bring it with you at work. And <laughs> how can you do this? And think about what you're doing. And I, I yeah. just like the structure that this provides for doing something. If you're like a small that. business owner, I think one of the things that's very attractive about the four disciplines of execution is that it maps to any size business. Yeah. You read some of these books. Mm -hmm. And you think, oh gosh, that's only for big companies. Mm -hmm. uh, this one translates well because it boils right down to the individual and how can yeah. I make a difference. Yeah, Awesome. Well, thanks, Jeff, for taking the time to do this. Thank you, Tommy. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening and have a wonderful day. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>